I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Here's a fun fact that I read over the weekend that I wanted to share with you as we get started today. Did you know that if you'd invested just $10,000 in the ASX 100, in 1930 at a compounded rate return of 9.7% per year, today you'd be dead. As the old saying goes, time in the market is better than timing the market, unless you're dead that is. Today we are going over index funds. What are they? How are they compiled? And why does Warren Buffett keep telling us to choose them over actively managed funds? Well, that's what we are here to find out. You're listening to My Millennial Investor, the show where I search the financial world for the most up-to-date investment ideas, market trends, and income streams, so you don't have to. I'm your host, Nick Bradley. Let's get into it. All right, settle in, my dear investing community, and let's talk plainly. Index funds. What exactly is an index fund? Some of you might be like, well, duh, I know exactly what an index fund is. Well, I think you still might learn something, and hopefully, I entertain you at the least. Today, we are talking the basics, because when stuff is crazy, when the markets are bonkers, when you don't really know where to turn, every stock you've selected in the past year has just gone kaput, you're like, I'm done with investing, <laughs> I'm just going to put all of my money in gold and dig a hole and put it under a rock, it's like, don't go there yet, just to stick with us. I believe the index fund is the starting answer for you and the ending answer for you. So let's talk about it. An index fund is a type of mutual fund or ETF, exchange-traded funds. And the difference between those two is a mutual fund, you can only trade once a day and it closes at the end of the market day. An exchange-traded fund, you can trade like a stock, it's very liquid, and you can trade in and out of it within the same day. doesn't matter which one you choose, mutual fund or ETF. An index fund is a type of that fund with a portfolio constructed to match or track the components of a financial market. That was a lot. Let's talk about it. Two real quick examples are the S&P 500 and the ASX 200. It's just a fund tracking one of those two indexes or many others. There's the Russells. There's the Dow Jones Industrial Average. There's bond funds. There's Now there's so many funds you don't even know where to go. The S&P 500 has historically been a great fund. So that's what we're going to be spending a lot of time on today. So an index fund is said to provide broad market exposure, low operating expenses, and low portfolio turnover. And those are all three important things. These funds follow benchmark indexes regardless of the state of the market. You're not going to have someone on the back end like pulling your money out or investing your money in. Like the, It's not an active thing. It is matching what's going on with the market in general. So the market goes up. The index fund goes up. Market goes down, index fund goes down. The goal is to match the index, not beat the underlying index. Indexing, fancy word, is a form of passive fund management. So instead of a fund portfolio, as I just described, actively stock picking and trying to time the market, 
the fund is just riding along with what the market's doing. It identifies the companies that the fund has. It purchases those companies and then mirrors exactly what the index is doing. The idea is that by mimicking the profile of the index, the stock market as a whole, or a broad segment of it, if you're using sector-type funds, the fund will match the performance perfectly. There is an index and an index, and an index of indexes, index of indexes. The point is, since Vanguard first rolled out the very first index funds, they're now extremely popular. And in the United States, the most popular index funds track the S&P 500. You can easily get them from most exchanges, no matter where you are on the globe. But there's other indexes as well. There's the Wilshire 5000 Total Market Index, which is the largest U.S. equities index around. You may have heard of the MSCI, E-A-F-E, I know it's a lot of adjectives, index. And that consists of foreign stocks from Europe, Australia, and the Far East. Bloomberg has a U.S. aggregated bond index, which is a total bond fund. There's the QQQ, which is an Invesco NASDAQ composite index. There's all these funds that create all of these indexes that are just tracking, hey, look, someone put a list of companies together. Let's follow that index. So you want to be clear as your investment uh, strategy. You want to realize what you want to do. Do you need a core holding that follows the top 500 uh, equity companies in America? Well, guess what? The S&P 500 is that index fund for you. Portfolios and indexes only change substantially when that benchmark change. For instance, Kodak, the old film company. Anybody remember Kodak? For those of you who are younger millennials, we used to have to take this uh, little roll and we would delicately pull out this little microfilm and put it in the camera and they need to snap the camera shut. And if you didn't do it right, you just wasted like $8 worth of film. This one time I was, uh, I hiked Mount Fuji and this was probably the last film camera I had. What was it? It was an Olympus stylus. It was cool. It fit on top of my hiking stick. And I'm hiking Mount Fuji, and I'm taking all of these pictures, and the camera says, click, you're out of film. So when it does that, you hit this button, and it immediately starts uh, rewinding itself and safely taking your wonderful pictures of Mount Fuji onto this roll. And then it says, click, you're done. You can now put in a new roll of film. So here, the click, you're done, put in a new roll of film, and I pulled a, <laughs> I opened the case, and all the film just goes shooting out on top of Mount Fuji. 36 pictures that I had just taken, hiking the mountains of the beautiful Japanese scenery, all gone for nothing. And that's exactly what happened to Kodak, because film is stupid. Kodak used to be one of the largest companies in the world, and therefore they were a part of the Dow Jones Industrial Average, top 30 companies in America, well, the digital camera came out, people got tired of messing with film, and they are no longer a part of the Dow Jones Industrial Average. The new, larger company replaced Kodak as they fell to the wayside of uselessness. Yeah, I'm not still bitter. Okay, moving on. So if you're not an index buyer, but consider yourself a stock-picking savant, and you want to choose your own stocks to create your own portfolio, well, guess what? You're basically creating the Suzy Q Index or the Paul 100 Index and if you do a good enough job, maybe someday somebody will copy your index and there will be the Paul 100 index fund that we can all buy and say, Paul, such a great index of collecting all these companies that we're going to create a fund that follows his index. So when you're choosing an index, choose one that has a great historical track record like the S&P 500. Let's break that down. Let's look at the S&P 500. The basic breakdown is it's 500 
publicly traded companies in the United States of America with a wide breadth of exposure to 11 different market sectors. So not only are you getting 500 diversified companies, you're getting 11 different sectors. Stocks like Apple and Google and Microsoft represent a large portion of the S&P 500 and the tech sector. Johnson & Johnson, Abbott, and Pfizer for the healthcare. Discretionary spending sector holds Amazon, Home Depot, and McDonald's, while financials have big names like Bank of America, Chase, and MasterCard. Communications sector has Facebook, Verizon, and AT&T. And that's a lot. I can't go every sector. But there's 11 other sectors. Industrials, staples, real estate, energy, materials, utilities, and all of them have huge companies that you've certainly heard of. That's why people like the S&P 500. It's big and it's diverse. And if you don't know where to start investing, the greatest investor of all time, Warren Buffett, says to buy an index fund. And he particularly likes the S&P 500. There's lots of companies that have an S&P 500 fund. There's ticker symbol SPY. There's ticker symbol VOO. And there's ticker symbol IVV. And all of those track the S&P 500. And you can get them from various different companies. I would just suggest choose the one that is on your broker that's available to you. Probably IVV if you're listening in Australia or SPY if you're in the States. But why does the Oracle of Omaha want us to buy the SPY? Well, it has a great track record to start. Let's talk some numbers. The growth of the S&P 500 over the last five decades. In the 1970s, it was a plus 77%. 1980, plus 407%. 1990s. 433% to the positive. In the year 2000, 2000 to 2010 was negative 9%. We've talked about that on a a previous episode. And in the 2010s, plus 259%. Investing in the S&P 500 gives you access to all 11 industries we just covered and the 500 largest companies in America. So investing in an index fund, specifically around the S&P 500, isn't easy sometimes stress-free way for most people to get invested. And because you're not betting on one company, but the 500 largest American companies, if the S&P 500 goes down to zero, well, guess what? You have a lot more to worry about than your retirement. Because I'm not bragging about America. I've got my qualms with it. I would love free healthcare. But if the biggest capitalistic country in the world loses its top 500 companies, the world has bigger problems than how much you have in your retirement portfolio. So betting on an index fund in the S&P 500 is a safe way to get started and should probably be, I can't give you advice, it is one of my major core holdings. So we get the idea, right? Owning an index fund that has a lot of companies diversified over many sectors is a good idea. But Nick, my neighbor says, that his fund manager has him in this hot new fund and it's beating the market and it's doing great. So why not buy an actively managed fund? Well, we're going to talk about that right after the break. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So your neighbor thinks that his manager that he's paying to manage his money bought an expensive managed fund, and this year it's getting lucky and beating the S&P 500. Well, one of the primary advantages that index funds have over actively managed counterparts is that lower management fees and expense ratios. You have to pay the piper no matter where you go. You have to pay somebody to either put these funds together or to actively manage your money. And a fund's expense ratio, also known as the management expense ratio, includes all of the operating expenses, such as payment to advisors and to managers, transactions fees and taxes and accounting fees and yada, yada, yada. Because the index fund's managers are simply replicating the performance of the benchmark, they don't need a lot of these other fancy services and research analysts to try to pick stocks. They're just mimicking what's already put together. An index fund manager trades holdings way less often, incurs fewer transaction fees, and basically no commissions. And in contrast, actively managed funds have a larger staff, they conduct more transactions, and they drive up the cost to you. The extra costs of the fund manager are often reflected in what's known as the, quote, expense ratio. And guess what? You are paying that. As a result, a cheap index fund often costs less than 0.2 to 0.3%, where a lot of managed funds typically around 1% to 2.5%. Again, index, 0.2, and I would say an expensive index fund is like 0.5, where a typical managed fund is at least 1%, going easily up to 2.5%. Expense ratios directly impact the overall performance of a fund. Actively managed funds with their high expense ratios are automatically at a disadvantage to index funds, at least in my opinion. Well, no, that's, that's, not, that's a fact. They're automatically at a disadvantage because you're automatically paying more. So therefore, they automatically have to do better just to keep up with the benchmark. And what they're trying to do is beat the benchmark. Advocates argue that passive funds have been successful in outperforming most actively managed funds because just of the expense ratio alone. For instance, get this, during the five-year period ending December 31st, 2020, 75% of large cap U.S. funds generated a return that was less than the S&P 500. So there's a three out of four chance that the fund that you're paying extra for is going to not even reach the performance of the S&P 500, let alone beat it, which is what you need to happen in order to justify that 2.5% expense ratio. As someone who's previously sold managed funds, that's me, And now, almost 20 years later, I look back and I cringe at the lack of outperformance those managed funds that I had sold and invested in. I'm not going to name names. So anyway, moving on. I used to sell managed funds. Index funds weren't really all the shabab. I was trying to, you know, get a car and such. And I was doing the best for my clients, what I thought. I I hadn't seen the light of index funds. And I look back at these huge expense ratios, and I'm just like, oh my goodness, they didn't even beat the S&P 500, and I had to pay these big ratios, and my clients had to pay these big ratios. Like, forget about it. Let's move on. We pay three, six, nine times more for someone 
to quote unquote manage your fund and their management is bad and they charge you extra to do it. Look, are there some good managed funds out there? Yes. People make a living on them. Sure, there are good managed funds. Will a manager beat the market every once in a while? Yes. But do you want to gamble a large portion of your future retirement on the fact that this one guy might beat the index by a little bit? I don't. So if you're going to use managed funds, I'm thinking about it. I actually have one managed fund, but it's like really specific and it's a very small portion of my portfolio. So if you're going to use a managed fund, it needs to have a specific reason and it should probably not be your core holding of your portfolio. All right. I have something very special for us as we get close to the ending of this episode. You see, we're going to hear from the godfather of the index fund, the head and creator of the company Vanguard. And as we wrap up, I wanted us to get a chance to hear from John Bogle. Literally 47 years ago, there were no such things as index funds, only these high expense ratio managers not beating the market. And Bogle looked around. He'd actually just got fired from a job as a fund manager. And he's like, I can do something different. And what is a major lesson he would like to pass down directly to my millennial investor audience? Well, here it is. He wrote a book. It's called The Clash of Cultures. And he mentions 10 different lessons that we should learn from. And here is my exclusive sit-down interview with the John Bogle. John, thanks for joining us today. Can you share your favorite thing about indexing that something you really think that my millennial investor audience needs to hear? I actually read through the book, and I think maybe the third rule of investing would be great. But I believe you called it the buy right and hold tight. Can you explain that for us? Buy right means diversify, diversify, diversify in an index fund, which is a great way to invest uh, for reasons I've talked about earlier. Uh, you low cost and all that, but you're diversified. So the in, in, intricate ins and outs of the market, you know, steel stocks are doing better, or energy stocks are doing better, or healthcare is doing better, or technology is doing better. Uh, if you own the whole market, you get your share of all of that. So, but uh, that, that's the buy right, very diversified. And the whole tight is what we've talked a little bit about. And that is, you know, when you get these periods of adversity and fear uh, and greed, uh, don't do anything. Thanks, John. Thanks for that great advice. Thank you for sitting down with us today and sharing that exclusively for the My Millennial Investor audience. You can, you can go back to your private jet. Okay, just kidding. Thank you to uh, Morningstar for that audio that I stole off of YouTube. Uh, the late, great John Bogle passed away in 2019, but he did create the very first index fund. He did create Vanguard, and he created the whole reason why we're sitting here talking today about how can we have better core portfolios. What is an index fund? Why should you own it? And why is it the best for you? Well, performance, cheap fees, and ease of access. That's why we should all be investing a large portion of our portfolios, choose your own risk and asset allocation. But I myself, like the S&P 500 index, it's in my set it and forget it. I add to it every month and history is on my side. Thanks for joining us today on My Millennial Investor, the show where I search the financial world for the most up-to-date market trends, investment ideas, and income streams so you don't have to. I'm your host, Nick Bradley, and we'll see you next week. This podcast is produced and published by Oregon Trail Investor in the USA. All information is for entertainment purposes only. The brand My Millennial Investor is used under license.